last week we celebrated resurrection. Can I get an amen and amen for resurrection? Yes! Man, man, I, I've been thinking a lot about Easter lately, and I'm telling you, it is just brilliant. It is so cool, especially for people who follow Jesus. I mean, it's cool for everybody else too, right? You know, the pastels, break out the white pants if you can pull it off. Uh, you know, it's all kinds of fun stuff. But for those who follow Jesus, I mean, it is the cat's meow, right? Resurrection. Woo, big, it's big. Jesus dies on a cross, but he doesn't stay dead. He actually comes back to life. Ha! Never saw that coming. Um, except for the disciples who were listening when Jesus said he was going to die and come back to life. But they seemed to miss it too because they were all pretty surprised. They're like, who is this guy? Our hearts were burning. Did you, did you know it was him? But so last week we celebrated resurrection. We celebrated Easter. And we started a new series called Everything Will Change. Because really, in light of Easter, everything changes. A whole new thing is going on and it's like stamped it's like signed sealed and delivered the proof is in the pudding at easter when jesus comes out of the grave and is like oh death where is your sting where is your victory you've got nothing on this cat so at resurrection everything changes and it should it should be the paradigm that 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 governs that covers that challenges and influences everything we do as christians everything should be in light of resurrection because now there's something new going on god says this is a new deal this is the new human this is the the new israel he says it subversively and we can talk about all that later but it's the it's the kingdom of god and it's at hand it's among you it's within you and so we wanted to take a couple of weeks and talk about let's work out the implications of easter Let's work out the implications of resurrection. Let's not just celebrate it one Sunday and then leave it until next year, because that would be tragic. I mean, all that work, rising from the dead and you only get one week, I think Jesus would be bummed if that were the case. (laughs) I thought that was funny. So we're going to work it out for the next couple weeks, and we want to start by talking about the economy of the resurrection. Uh, uh, would Jesus buy fair trade is sort of the, the, the title we wanted to catch you with. And um, resurrection, just a couple of things as we introduce this topic, and then I'm going to invite my friends up, and we're going to talk about this like played out in, in real time. Okay? Um, resurrection, what happens at resurrection when Jesus comes out of the grave, the biblical authors talk about this in, the way, in, the, in this way. It's like, Resurrection ensures it's the it's the down payment it's the it's the it's the gold in the bank that what of what will be and really the issue is when Jesus comes up out of the grave he puts the stamp of approval and the stamp of sureness I don't even know if you can say that assurance that the kingdom that he's been talking about will in fact happen Paul says that Christ is the first fruit of this new thing the first fruit of this new kingdom and then you and i because we have the holy spirit within us are are are, we take part in that so paul says that resurrection ensures that the kingdom of god will in fact happen now the kingdom of god as jesus talks about it and he's referencing a theme that's been going on all throughout the story of the scriptures even in back in the Old Testament, a lot of times we, 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 we bifurcate, we separate the Old Testament and the New. And the Old Testament's all about this God of law and, you know, rah, wrath and Jesus and love and the whole deal. But that's not the case. This, this idea of the kingdom of God, the, the, the economy of God, the way in which God works out his purposes in the world is all over the Old Testament. 
If you go back and you look in the book of Deuteronomy and some of the, the, the stories of when God was calling this group of people out of, out of Egypt, you have this idea called the year of the Jubilee. Does anybody remember this? It's this idea that every 49 years, the 50th year is called the year of Jubilee. And what happens is this. If someone owes you a debt, you forgive it. You just like wipe it off. So if this person owes you 200 grand because they bought something from you, maybe it's a house or land, they owe you 200 grand. But at 50 years, you forgive it. You wipe it away. Economically, it makes zero sense. If you are a prisoner, you're set free. It doesn't make any sense at all. So the prisoners are set free. The captives are set free. Debts are forgiven. Why? I think God in his wisdom, is ensuring that the Israelites, the people of God, never stray too far from the way in which the economy of God, the, 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 the workings out of, of God's purposes and hopes in the world happen. And so he says, reset the button every year. Because you're going to want to hold that debt over that person. You're going to want to do this. And he says, reset it. Hit the reset button. It's called the year of the Jubilee. And so God's... Uh, the, the kingdom of God and the economy of God looks very different than the world that we live in. So at resurrection, it, it ensures that this kingdom is going to happen and this kingdom looks totally different. If you, turn, if you were to look at Isaiah chapter 55, one of my favorite passages, I'll just read it for you here. Oh, I think I've got it in here. It's in, in this book. Isaiah 55. This is the prophet of God and he's talking about a new day. He's talking about this is what it's going to look like when the kingdom of God is real. He says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. You have no money, but come and buy and eat. Doesn't make any sense. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what is not satisfied? But listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. It's like the prophet is setting up this, this, this bizarre way in which the kingdom of God will work. In that, come, you have no money, but come and eat at this table. Come and get your fill. And so we see over and over and over again that the way in which God's deal is lived out, the economy of God, the way in which the economics of God's system and God's world will look very different. And so tonight what we want to do is we want to open up this discussion and open up this, uh, this conversation. And in light of this fact, in light of the fact that, that God's new reality looks differently, and for those of you who follow Jesus, we have a problem on our hands. Okay? And I want to I end with this and invite my friends up, but there is a bit of a crisis that we have to talk about and that we have to engage because it's huge. The crisis is on two fronts, and it's this. One, there's a crisis of poverty, and its effect in the world. There are, and Stephen and PK are going to give some more statistics on what this looks like globally. But there are people in the world who do not have enough, who go without food and water and the basic, necess the basic necessities to just live all over the place. And there is a crisis of poverty that we are experiencing. Sorry, there we go. Okay, wonderful. Is this for my battery or something? Oh, I'm all right. So this crisis is, is on one front. It's a crisis of poverty. And then there's a crisis of consumption for us, for you and I who live in America. We live in the most well-to-do place on the planet. We have more than enough. It's not that there isn't enough food in the world. It's that 
Some people have way more than they need, and others don't. So there's two crises going on. We have this issue of poverty in the world, and in God's kingdom, even in the Old Testament, they weren't supposed to harvest all the way to the edges of the field. That's not because the bad fruit was on the edges. It was because those, the alien and foreigner in the land were supposed to be able to eat from the extra. There's always supposed to be enough. And there isn't, and that's a crisis. And you and I live in a world where we consume, I don't know the stats, we're going to get to them, but we consume way more than we ought. And so I want to just sort of drop this in our laps tonight, and we're going to discuss a little bit about some of the implications. And I want you to think, uh, I want you to engage. And so if you have questions, please feel free. We're going to have some time to do that. But I want to invite PK and Steve, wherever you guys are, come on up to the front here. If you guys would welcome my friends PK and Steve. And, and when we, uh, these guys approached me a while back, and uh, I don't know who might need this, but uh, I'll turn it on. Is everybody working? Hello, hello. hello. Might be you, Steve. Check. Yeah. So there we go. I feel really small next to you on this stool. But <laughs> these guys for giving pro- me Yeah, no the problem, no problem. You know, I'm just, I'm power under. I'm empowering. You know, it's the kingdom thing, right? Um, so these guys approached me a while back, and just, we started talking about some of the things that they're involved with. And... Uh, you know, kind of synergistic events that we were going to be here about this time, and this was uh, is this burning passion in their lives. And so I thought, hey, let's just do it upright. So invited them to come. So if you would just share a little bit, uh, PK, you first, and then Steve. Uh, who are you? Uh, what are you? What do you do? Uh, maybe you know the thumbnail sketch in a couple minutes or less, so people can get an idea as to what you're up to. Sure. Um, PK stands for Patricia Kelly, so that's who I am. Uh, I'm the executive director for an organization in the city called Youth Enterprise, and Youth Enterprise is a, uh, a teen employment program, and our mission is to equip and empower high school students uh, to unlock their creative potential, uh, to train them in a job, to help them um, really know what it's like to have that first job and to be mentored by a boss who we call our program manager. We produce a product, and that product is a T-shirt, and screen printing T-shirts is the job that students who work at Youth Enterprise have. Awesome. Steve. My name is Steve, and uh, my story goes back to about 2006. I spent several months in the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, was there uh, representing my church community, and working with an organization um, called Heal Africa that had a variety of programs. And being in Congo was, uh, I describe it as one of the hardest uh, things I've ever, I've ever done, but also one of the most beautiful and eye-opening experiences I've ever had. And um, I was immersed in poverty that I couldn't even comprehend. And seeing people whose lives have been devastated by war and by disease and by lack of food and all of these things. And... Um, so as I'm working with this organization, there's one specific program called Healing Arts. And um, I don't know if you know this, there's, there's been a war going on in Congo for, gosh, the last decade. And part of that is um, a lot of women be- become victims of sexual violence. And so they come to this organization um, devastated emotionally, physically. They have nothing left. And so Healing Arts was a program where um, we would come around them, teach them how to sew, and... Um, give them a job and a way to earn money and support themselves uh, after their lives have basically been kind of devastated and taken away from them. So um, 
I'm working with this program and it's fantastic. And then I come back here to the United States and I have this culture shock of what am I supposed to do with this? And how am I supposed to reconcile the poverty that's all over there with, like Micah said, the affluence here and the, you know, I'm not rich, but I have more than enough. And what do I do with it? And so um, we started thinking about t-shirts and PK and I are actually neighbors and uh, I knew what Youth Enterprise was doing. And so we thought, gosh, what if we could make shirts in Africa and then bring them over here and young people at Youth Enterprise could print them. And so that's kind of where the vision uh, was born. And that's what we're doing. So talk a little bit more about the exact thing that you're doing um, and maybe get into a little bit of um, uh, the implications that that has on the farmers that you're working with in Africa and the students. Maybe PK, you could talk about the, the impact that that's having here and how, you know, us as people who have resources in hand, when we go and we purchase a shirt, uh, you know, from this place instead of that place, what happens? All right. Um, I think I started thinking about, you know, what, okay, I buy a shirt somewhere. Where does that money go? Why does it only cost $10? How does this work? And so um, as we started researching this uh, entity, which we call Forgotten Shirts, we realized that with each shirt that's made, there are three people that are impacted. And we actually put together a little slide that shows kind of the impact. Um, there are uh, each shirt is made essentially by three people. That's probably a little small, but the first is a farmer. Um, we're working in Uganda, and a cotton farmer there um, makes about nine cents a, a kilo for his cotton uh, on the open market. But if we buy fair trade cotton from that farmer, he'll earn triple that. And so all of a sudden, if we're giving uh, fair trade prices to a cotton farmer, he's able to uh, buy equipment to... Uh, feed his family, to expand his farm, and do all these things. Um, I'm going to just jump yep, in here. Go ahead. Talk, the difference between like fair, you know, market value and yep. fair trade. What's Good that trade. all about? Um, you know, uh, our economy works basically on uh, if somebody can produce something cheaper, then we'll buy it there because they can do it cheaper. And uh, unfortunately, it's oftentimes people who are stuck in. Uh, situations of poverty where they have very few options and a job where they make um, 84 cents a day is better than no job at all. Um, and it's just inherently an unfair system because they have no better option and because we all kind of gravitate towards the lowest price, that's all they have. So fair trade is a movement that says we're willing to pay you what your work is actually worth. And so they set a, a I don't know how they do it all, but they set kind of a standard. And they say, we will pay you X amount uh, for what you produce. And this and is a global thing. It's not just an yep. American-driven fair trade right. thing. There are international right. certifying <laughs> organizations that certify something yep. as fair trade and make sure that uh, it's not only the, the price that is paid, but also the conditions that people work in and things like that. Right. So, so you've got a cotton farmer, and then our shirts are printed in uh, Kampala, Uganda, in a factory that employs about 250 people, again, in a in a region where jobs are incredibly rare. Uh, unemployment in some of the slums are 90%, and so we're providing jobs for people there. And, uh, and then they come over here to Youth Enterprise. So you guys work with the farmer who actually harvests the cotton, and then the people who, is it textiles? Is that what they call exactly. it? They actually exactly. turn the cotton into a T-shirt. Yep, okay. correct. And then PK. And then we bring them over here and uh, print them at Youth Enterprise because we are concerned globally and we're concerned locally. And we're concerned locally with our high school students who um, are maybe more at risk uh, and um, 
And as far as, you know, for youth enterprise providing a job, I don't, there was a, um, there was a study out in 2003 by a guy at Stanford, John Moore, talking about the adverse effects of unemployment on teenagers. And they looked at these kids 10 years out after high school, and these are kids who actually did graduate from high school, and we know that not all high, high school age students, kids graduate from high school. So these are the, the students who do graduate, and 10 years out, if they haven't worked a job, and this was specific to, to male students, but if they haven't worked when they were teenagers, they, 10 years out, are earning less than their counterparts who did work. And, and this is just a recent study. So we are convinced that providing jobs for high school students um, really has a long-term transformational impact on their ability to sustain their lives and to create a better life for themselves and for their families. I mean, they will grow up and they will have their own families and um, provide for their own families. So we feel like the work that we are doing is really transformational for these students. Um, they not only learn how to have a job, but they, um, they're held to standards of production for their t-shirts. They're sitting back there, three of them. You know that you're held to standards for production for your t-shirts. Um, and, uh, and, and they work with a program manager, so they get mentored in that way. Um, all really important to have somebody pouring into your life and helping you unlock your, um, unlock your potential um, and helping you springboard into a better life. We don't do all of our t-shirts fair trade. Um, we can't do all of them, but this brand new venture for us, sorry about that. Um, um, with Steve, this, this is brand new. This is, you guys are the, the first presentation we've had, so thank you for having us in and listening to this um, and, and really getting it. Um, so, so, so we don't do all of them, but we thought, man, if we are providing a fair wage for our, our high school students, can we look at providing a fair wage for somebody else who's producing and creating t-shirts um, across the world? Uh, so we've we are look, we are, are, these t-shirts that we're wearing are from Uganda, and then we're looking at some from India too. I mean, taking it really global. Um, so very cool. I, you guys showed me a slide that talked about like uh, when. And by the way, when you guys leave tonight, uh, there's if you didn't see it on your way in, there's uh, a whole thing of t-shirts back here. And I want to encourage you, uh, in light of what we're talking about tonight, to think seriously about how do I engage with that. Um, this isn't a Jesus turns over the, the money changers in the temple. In fact, I think Jesus would be thrilled about what's going on here. And if you were to purchase uh, a t-shirt back there, I don't think he's going to be upset about that. Um, but you guys showed me, uh, or sh uh, I saw a slide. Uh, that if, if I go back there and I buy one of those t-shirts, talk about like the actual uh, hourly and economic impact that that makes in each three of these sectors that we've kind of touched on. Um, we we tried to do the math, and I think we, we, um, we came up with each shirt represents 59 minutes of employment for a cotton farmer, uh, a textile worker, and a screen printer. And, um, but it, it's not just that they uh, are able to work and earn a living. There is, we call it the ripple effect. And what happens is as um, a cotton farmer earns uh, more money, he's able to um, 
maybe expand his, his farming, his field, or buy new tools or equipment and, and grow more, which means that he's able to send his kids to school, which means his kids will have a better future than he will. Um, if you're a textile worker, uh, if there are 250 new jobs in, in a slum in Kampala, um, that doesn't just mean that 250 people are employed. Now they have a wage that they go ahead and spend in their community. So that means new shops open up in the slums of Kampala, which means that more people are employed, which means that everything kind of starts to, uh, people are lifted out of poverty and there's this rippling that happens in the same way uh, a young person who's, who's printing shirts and uh, all of a sudden starts to think, hey, I can, I can go to college, I can do something different. And you can talk more about that ripple effect and how that. That's absolutely it. We, um, we have kids who didn't think they would go to college, didn't even think about college, to thinking, um, having been working in our program, to thinking about college. Hey, I can do this. So I can start out a community college that's, that's so much different than even thinking education has no effect for me. Um, so, yeah, definitely it affects a, a student. And like I said, um, you can ask them when they're back there. They will be happy to tell you a little bit about why they do what they do and how they affect, uh, how it affects them and their families. Uh, I want to sort of, so this is one example, right? A, a microcosm of this issue uh, that, that we kind of are trying to get at with the question of would Jesus buy fair trade? So the question that we're really trying to get us to consider is, do we as Christians have any responsibility economically, the way we spend our resources, to investigate, to be, uh, to be aware uh, as consumers, uh, do we have a responsibility in that? Um, so this is a microcosm of, of this issue, and I want to just kind of like zoom out a little bit and ask you guys, um, why is this important for you? Like you're, a, you're an individual who follows Jesus. Why does this even matter for you? Um, that's a fantastic question and, uh, and, uh, and an important question and one that I continue to wrestle with. These are not easy questions. And um, I think you, I love, I love the way you kind of set this up in terms of how um, Jesus' resurrection and the kingdom of God um, really has practical, tangible impact. And economics is one of them. And, um, you know, when you talk about Jubilee and and God set up those systems and basically saying, when my kingdom comes, there won't be rich and poor. There won't be people who keep accumulated more and more while some people have almost nothing. Um, and so it's part of my job as a follower of Jesus to try and reflect that, to live that out because I love Jesus and because I want his kingdom um, to be reflected in my life. I need to think about how do I use my money and my resources in a way that um, helps those who are forgotten, who are marginalized, who are poor. I, how do I in my, um, because I've been so blessed, um, begin to bless others uh, as God called us to. And um, fair trade is, is one certain, certainly one good way to do it. And it's beyond t-shirts. I mean, um, my wife and I talk about this all the time about, uh, we just had this conversation yesterday or a couple days ago, she was at the store and um, Fair trade coffee cost, I don't know, 9 or $10, and the other coffee was on sale, and it just comes down to that hard decision of, At wow. Like $5 a pound. Yeah, I mean, and you go, I don't want to, sp- I mean, I'm so conditioned, like lowest price and those things, but you stop and you think and you say, wait a minute, I choose to make a very small sacrifice 
for the sake of another and a person that I won't meet but that I know uh, I'm impacting somebody's life by making this purchase. And so part of what we're doing with the shirts is trying to expand the number of fair trade products. There's coffee and chocolate and jewelry and things like that. And those are fantastic. We've got some other resources out there. Um, but um, just even starting to ask questions of why am I buying? Um, what am I buying? How does it impact the people who made it? How can I begin to think even a little bit differently? How can I research what I buy? Um, things like that. We've got another, there's a little book that I love and I'm starting to use. It's called The Better World Shopping Guide. And um, basically any, any product category from uh, coffee to diapers, we have a newborn, so that's big for us right now. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it kind of ranks companies and it gives them a letter grade, A through F. And so, well then, you know, you bring your little shopping guide there and you say, well, I'm gonna choose brand X over brand Y because um, they reflect values that are consistent yeah. with what Jesus is calling us to. So. And same with screen printing. Um, I mean, same with screen printing. I don't, you know, how many churches and places of business um, use or, or get T-shirts for their organizations. So, so do something. Um, go to, uh, we're one of a couple, um, but really on the cusp of this type mm -hmm. of organization, um, social justice type of organization, but um, choose a youth enterprise. Uh, and again, I don't, we're, we're just local. We're Minneapolis, and I don't have any other branches in any other um, urban areas. It's, it's us. And there's one other in, in San Diego who's, who's doing a similar thing. Um, so it's, it is not widespread. We are on the edge and the verge of something um, again, transformational for, for people. And when you choose that, when you choose to invest your money in, in something like what Steve and I are doing, um, you are having a direct impact on the life of a person, if not several persons, and not just for now, but for their future, a direct and positive impact. Yeah. I'm gonna ask a really tough question. I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. Uh, this whole thing assumes that all of us in the room uh, are at a particular level of, of income and we can afford to, like we can actually literally afford to make the decision to pay $8 a pound for coffee instead of $5 a pound for coffee. When in reality, that's not always the case. Uh, while we live in, a, in, in America uh, and we're very blessed as a, as a nation, person to person and family to family, that's not always the case. So how do you translate the values that we're talking about here into, uh, I'm at a place economically as a family where, dude, organic fair trade diapers are wicked expensive, you know? Yeah. And so I can't actually, I, though I want to, I can't do that and still put food on the table for my family. How do you translate the values that we're talking about into other creative ways to live that out? Tough question, I recognize, <laughs> but yeah. give it a shot. No, and that's, that's a fantastic question. And, and the reality is that this is going to look different for every single one of us. And my situation is not your situation. And, and um, I think for me, the important part is wrestling with it, asking, honestly asking the questions about what do I need? What can I afford? Um, what, uh, what is what I'm doing impact? How does that impact? other people and um, you know honestly you're right for some people the the best solution is to buy um, 
buy the cheapest products so that I can pay off my credit card bills or get out of debt. Sure. And those sure. things are because you think long term as I start to break those cycles of, of debt or whatever that is, right. then I hope that one day I'll be in a place where I can give more generously sure. in those things. Um, I think it's 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 all about a slow um, mindset shift from um, kind of this culture of more, more, more to stopping and thinking like, do I really need this? Sure. Um, how do I get, I want to be a person who gives generously. So how do I get from here to you yeah. know, the point when I'm actually yep. able to? And, um, but again, I think there are so many other ways to connect this. Um, you know, our, our job is not just to give economically to the poor, sure. it's to love uh, those around us who are marginalized and forgotten in whatever way we can. I sure. mean, uh, PK can talk about some of the uh, ways to connect with youth enterprise, but I mean, I think there are so many ways that as you start to look and see people in our, in our, in our neighborhoods who are, um, who are struggling or, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, I think there's a variety of ways to love totally. and serve them. Okay. Well, I think too, you know, I, I, some of you may have seen this, but I saw a little, a little blurb on Tom's shoes and yeah. that, you know, he, when he first started his um, company, he, he wanted to buy one, give one, yeah. um, but he couldn't do that at the capacity that he wanted to do that until he invested a certain amount of money back into his um, company. And then from there, sure. it grew and he was able to do that. And I think that for our individual lives, if we can, like, similar to what you're saying, if we can do the same thing, we have a vision of the impact that we want to have sure. on our communities, yeah. on our uh, where our hearts are, where the Spirit has led us to be passionate about yeah. engaging and involving um, and giving and serving. Mm -hmm. So we have that vision, and then we do take the, the steps, even minimally at first, to um, to move forward yeah. and, and to start. Cool. Um, I, I would just yeah. also add, I think there are great places to to advocate, even if you're not able to do this, I think to even go to your local store and say, hey, do you have fair trade coffee or chocolate or mm -hmm. do you carry any fair trade shirts? And um, I get really excited about the idea of what if, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, there was just a ton of fair trade products available in our Target or our, or our stores. And how cool would it be if the church was actually um, the community that yeah. was driving mm -hmm. this? What if the church led the way on this issue and saying, hey, we don't... We reject the idea that we want to get things for the lowest possible price. We want, yeah, we don't want to get, you know, ripped off. We're not rich or, you know, necessarily, but, but we want, um, we want to pay what's fair for the products that sure. we buy, and we want those uh, products to be produced in a way that is empowering and transforming for those who make them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have any questions that were that were written down or anything, but do you guys have some questions? Anything that's kind of on? Yeah, Brad, just shout it out if you would. Yeah, that's a great question. And there is, I mean, there's, it's kind of confusing around oftentimes fair trade and organic go together, but, but they're kind of different things. There is, um, there's a, a fair trade certifying kind of organization and um, there is a symbol that says fair trade certified. It's kind of got two scales. It's a little I black and white thing. Do we have thing. that, uh, that, our um, graphic? We stole it. Yeah. In, them. Um, In the spirit of fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. So, um, Keep going, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you can look for that, that specific little symbol on things. Um, again, researching companies, it's fascinating just to kind of look yeah. around online and see what you see about who are doing things ethically. And, and these guys brought a ton of stuff tonight, that resources out back, lists of websites, uh, 
things you can read, so be sure to pick some of those things up. Other questions? No. Yeah. is welcome to apply. Uh, anyone is welcome to apply. We have, an, we have a application process that the students go through. So we are committed to being in the community where our students live. We have three printing shops. Two are in South Minneapolis and, and one is in North Minneapolis. Uh, and so kids will come in. They'll either be referred by a guidance counselor, a social worker, or their family or their friends or somebody else who works there, or they will just have walked by the printing shop on their way home or their way to school. Mm -hmm. uh, they go in, they ask for an application, they fill it out. We want it to be real because it is real. Yeah. So, um, and the program manager who works at that particular shop will review, they'll call them back for an interview, they'll ask for two reference forms, they'll have their parents or their guardians sign um, a, a, a sheet that says, I have read this, I, I'm allowing my student to work. Um, and then they go through a 20-hour training period where it's determined whether or not they really are cut out for the job. You know, are they showing up on time? Are they able to interact with their boss as an adult? Are they um, at least, in, you know, initially able to interact with each other? Um, but we realize building skills happens over time. Um, so I hope that answers the question of how they, how they get there and then how they are employed. Mm -hmm. Okay, other questions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. We haven't actually had a presentation. We are, uh, we do represent at some job fairs, uh, sometimes in the community or at the schools and do have relationships with a number of staff at various schools. We have a wide variety of schools and charter schools that are represented in our students. Um, and then, you know what, it is a, it is a resource um, limitation because we have, we see about 50 students who come through and, and work um, on a yearly basis and then we see about 25 or 30 of those who really stay, the average time that a student stays, if they've made it past six months, is uh, 21 months. So, so almost two years, which is significant because um, students tend to move around a lot. Uh, anyway, there are a variety of reasons why uh, a high school student wouldn't be able to, to stay at a job like that. Um, but to more specifically say, it is sometimes a, a matter of resources. We just can't hire a ton of students, but we are always taking applications, and that turnover is about 50%, uh, so there's always a chance. The question is, do we pay our students minimum wage, and are they... Hold the buckets. Um, the question was, do we pay our students minimum wage and are they eligible for raises? Is that correct? We do start our students off at minimum wage and they are eligible for raises every six months. They have a review with their program manager. Okay, Lou and then somebody over here I saw.
Sure. Yeah. So you go to Express for Men. It's about um, so, I mean, what's the shirt cost? How much do you guys sell the shirt for? Yeah, these shirts are selling for twenty-five dollars okay. a piece. You'd go to Target and you'd probably buy one—not a fair trade, but a regular T-shirt for eight to twelve would be my guess. Um, and so it's it's quite it becomes not a price point issue. It becomes a choice of of who's being affected. By your shirt, um, so that's the that's the retail difference there. Um, you know, there are wholesalers, and we can get things for a little cheaper. But they definitely they they are significantly more expensive for us. Yeah. 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 Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Off the record, I'm with you. Um, did somebody over here, Carrie, and then Carrie over there? Sure. She talked about the faith development aspect, and are we able to do that? Youth Enterprise is a 501c3, so we're a registered nonprofit organization. We are our individual entity. Our um, mission statement is that we are equipping um, at-risk students with a re relevant life and business skills grounded in the hope of Christ. So we absolutely have a programmatic piece to what we do, um, and that is an unpaid time for students, And um, but it is faith development. They just went through... Um, fruit of the spirit in terms of life and faith development, uh, and then we talk about we talk about um, personal finances, um, checking, um, being on your own, um, independent living. We talk about we use the small business model that we have at Youth Enterprise to help them um, look at starting their own small businesses. So, so yes, yeah, so it's much bigger than just a job for students. It absolutely is faith development. Um, and personal and business development at the same time. Great question. Okay, let's do one more here and then. Uh... And, and I will just add one thing. That is what makes us different from other, from a variety of other nonprofits who are working with a similar population of, of student. Um, and, and it makes it harder for us to get outside funding. I'll just say that we are reliant on people who understand that, that the vision, that we're not backing down, that we believe Jesus Christ is the transforming one. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that, and we know that true transformation doesn't happen without Christ at the center of your life. And so they, ha they do have that opportunity. 
kids who come to us don't always know who God is or they don't have the terminology of who Jesus is or, you know, they, they don't know that. So um, we want them to discover that uh, as well as we say, if you don't know, you don't, you don't really have a choice if you're, not, if you're not exposed to what you're choosing against or what you're not choosing because you're not aware of that. No, that's a great question, and um, it's interesting. The, most of the organizations that, that I've worked with in sub-Saharan Africa are uh, very much Christian organizations, and people talk very freely about their faith and the transforming work of Christ um, in all that they do and recognize that there is a spiritual component, an emotional component, uh, as well as a physical component to everything that we're doing. The interesting thing that, that I've been thinking about lately is uh, in, in Congo and, and, and Uganda, where we're working, um, I, I think the number is about 80% of the population is Christian and has a faith that puts mine to shame. I mean, just a very real, dynamic, um, unbelievable faith in God. And, and so I would say that the primary need in Congo and Uganda is not evangelism, is not for people to know Christ for the first time, because most of them do, not that certainly we're not going to back down from proclaiming that, but it, I, I think of it almost in terms of, of in the book of Acts when they talked about um, caring for the widows, you know, they set up a, a little subcommittee to, to take care of those who had needs, and part of, as, as a Christian in America and a part of the American church, how do we care for our brothers and sisters yeah. on the other side of the world? Yeah. Um, I'm going to... Just for the sake of time, uh, I've asked the band to actually close with a song that I think really gets at the heart of this. So I'm going to invite you guys up, and I'm going to try and kind of wrap this up. I want to encourage you guys. They'll be here as long as you all are here uh, to ask questions and talk further, and I'll be outside as well. But if I could just attempt to kind of uh, wrap this up a little bit as to, would Jesus buy fair trade? That's the question we started with. And uh, what I want us to think about is, is this. The people of God, when they came out of Egypt, came out of slavery and systems that were oppressive and, and not the way God intended the world to work. And he called them out of Egypt and made them a people who were to live by a different standard and who were to live by a totally different structure of how the world actually operated. So for us now, who are on this side of the cross and on this side of resurrection, resurrection ensures that the kingdom of God will come in its fullness. Between that point at resurrection and when God returns, how do you and I become ambassadors and people who live out of these values that have been a part of the people of God forever and do that in a way that we think about the choices that we make? I recognize that we can't all go out and buy fair trade, but I want, what I want you to do is I want you to know you have a responsibility as a person who follows Jesus to ask the question, how does this choice impact somebody? We cannot be ignorant to the processes and the, the, and the systems that our buying habits and our consumption support. Okay, We can think differently about it and engage in the process and then act as Christians in the process. Okay, this is not going to solve all of the... This, I'm not going to give a silver bullet tonight that's going to be like, here's your one, two, three application point sermon. Thanks for coming to church. I want you to wrestle with this, and I hope that you're a little uneasy about it. I hope that I've, we've maybe upset your apple cart a little because the people of God should be different in the world, and we do not bow a knee to the, any other kingdom than the kingdom of God. 
And so as these guys close with this song, that's essentially what the song is going to say. It talks about a kingdom and a king. And that as people who follow Jesus, this is the kingdom that we bow a knee to and that we live under the rule and reign of. So what does that mean for you and for me as we purchase and buy and use economics and live in this world? Okay, so listen and then we'll be done.